Awesome. All right. Yeah. So, everyone, welcome to the Just Pick Something podcast where we discuss movies and TV shows. And this time we're going to talk about The Batman. More specifically, The Batman 2022, directed by Matt Reeves, written by Matt Reeves and Peter Craig. And at the time of this episode, it can be streamed on HBO Max. So, did you see this movie again after you watched it in theaters? Or was did you only watch it in theaters the one time? So, I don't have time to watch like a three-hour movie in theaters very often. So unfortunately, mm-hmm. I was not able to watch this in theaters a second time. Oh, okay. <laughs> I will try. I think it's still in theaters, technically, with the time of recording. Really? But yeah, three hours is a lot. <laughs> yeah, dude, it is a lot. I, I set aside in like an entire evening when I went to go see it because like I was really hyped for this movie like before it came out because I saw the articles about it and when it got revealed that the Riddler was the main villain, I was hyped because I was like, oh, this is going to be a different approach to a Batman movie that we usually see. But <laughs> overall, so yeah to like talk about the actual movie yeah. <laughs> um oh man i wanted to watch this movie the second time like after i watched it I the, the second it ended i was like oh man i wish i just could just sit here and watch this movie just a, another way through mm-hmm. i loved this movie nice yeah that's awesome dude i love this movie too i thought it was great like i walked in with a lot of hype and i walked out extremely hyped for the sequel and probably trilogy because there probably is going to be more you know they already announced that they're trying to do a spin-off with the penguin from this movie and i guess going forward just to let anyone listening we're going to be talking about this movie pretty in depth so spoiler warning if you haven't seen it you know yeah no it's <sighs> man i I went in there hyped because, first off, I like Matt Reeves as a director. I've liked his Planet of the Apes movies. They're all really well made. Yeah, um, I wait, that's him? That's awesome. Yeah, he made the he made the second and third one. He didn't make the first one. Yeah, that's really cool. I didn't know he did those. That's awesome. I love those movies. Yeah, so he made he made two and three. I really enjoyed those from like a creative, like from like a directorial standpoint. I was like, man, this guy did a really good job. And I didn't really think of him as like a Batman director when I watched his stuff. You know how like people... Some people like to fan cast and like who would I would want to direct and stuff like that. A movie like this style. And it's like, I never picked him, but as soon as he was announced, I was like, Oh no, he makes good stuff. And then hearing him talk about it leading up to the film being released, I was like, Oh man, if this guy is able to convey the passion that I know he has for Batman, then this movie's going to be on a different level from any other Batman movie, at least in my opinion. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, now that I know that he made Planet of the Eight movies, which I also thought were great, I was not surprised that this movie came out so well done, you know? Yeah, I think, oh, I, I don't know if it's because of those movies, and I didn't make this connection before when talking about it with other people, but the way that he, he has a really good way of directing and capturing body language and just like basic like facial emotion that's a pretty good point now that you bring that up i do recognize that directorial aspect in this movie and in the other ones because with the planet of the apes movies they got the motion capture so well like done it's it was so realistic and so groundbreaking that i would want to capture as much of the face and body movements as possible and it definitely shows in this movie too talking about the like like robert pattinson as batman which I, I i get that there was a lot of like hubbub about him before like they're like oh it's the guy from twilight and i'm like oh my god whatever we'll, we'll see him when he's in the film he's done a bunch of work since then and it's like a lot of diverse stuff since <laughs> then mm-hmm 
I'm, I mean, the man who notoriously hated Twilight and also went out of his way to be cast on as many indie movies as yeah. possible to get away from Twilight. It was like a surprise because I didn't also think of Robin Pattinson as the Batman, kind of yeah. similar how you were talking about when people fan cast. Not what I expected, but I mean, as soon as he was cast, I was like, yeah, this is going to be dope. I can already see it. Yeah, I was, I was interested in seeing his portrayal because, you know, I have seen some of his other work, at least briefly. Like, I haven't watched a lot of it, just like one or two things here and there. Yeah, he's really good in that. I mean, The Lighthouse is great. Um, But it's Batman. You don't know how he's going to look in the, in the suit, how it's going to come across on screen. Like, you get images of him and I'm like, uh, but like, I don't actually know how it's going to work. But very early on in the movie, he goes to the the first crime scene in the film, and you just see him staring at this little boy who had just lost his parents. Spoiler warning, sorry, there's a bunch of spoilers. We already talked about we're going to go into depth. But he, he, he's looking across the room mm-hmm. at this <laughs> kid who just lost his parents, and you can just tell on his face, and the way that Matt Reeves captures it on the film, like you could just read all of Batman's emotions like a book and it's like oh my god like the way that they mm-hmm. they're doing this is like so clear and i i saw a bunch of cr- people critique the fact that he doesn't talk much or he's very stoic and i'm like no that man almost cried the first like five minutes okay. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I, as, as soon as he walks into that um initial first riddler murder scene right and he sees that young I guess now orphan. I mean, it was very clear that he was like, oh no, this has happened again. Yeah. A young boy has been robbed of his parents, just like I was, right? And I guess we'll talk about this more later, but it goes immediately with the idea in this movie that there's going to be a lot of parallels between characters. Uh, the young boy who lost his parents, the Riddler being also like Batman, the failure of the city and how like the perpetual cycle of violence affects everybody from like the top and the bottom. And yeah, dude, it was, it it feels like this movie is going to be praised a lot by the two of us as we talk about things throughout this, the plot, right? But man, what a well done first like introduction scene and just first i don't know 15 minutes oh man uh they just so they just put the first 10 minutes on youtube i had i had watched this movie recently when it came on hbo max mm-hmm. but then they, they released that and i was like oh let me watch the first 10 minutes again and the opening sequence so there's two parts of it obviously there's the a riddler half of it where he murders the guy and then the batman half of it where he fights the thugs on the train mm-hmm. station but the riddler half i remember sitting in theaters and being like wait okay so this is batman like i assume like you know like you're watching the batman you assume it's batman that you're watching and... oh really that's interesting i didn't think that at all i thought it was the riddler i was like immediately like oh man the riddler's gonna take this man out like somehow you know oh no so i i thought it was batman like the reason i think it was, maybe i wasn't i wasn't smart i wasn't smart but like so you're watching it and i'm thinking it's batman because mm-hmm. you're, you're seeing him like spy into a house and i think it was very mm-hmm. intentional to have obviously to have this kid dressed up as a ninja and like mm-hmm. pre- seeming like pretend to kill his, to kill his dad because it looks mm-hmm. like batman's watching this criminal break into someone's house it, and murder someone yeah it, it it does look a lot like that i completely agree because i also for her a brief minute thought it was batman then i really like how they did it and they kind of played on that subversion of like you expecting it to be Batman the entire time, you know? Yeah. So then when he, when Riddler, when he goes back into the, when it goes into the mansion and you see the guy watching the news and then Riddler just 
pop up behind him. I was genuinely terrified by it for a second. I was like, yo, that's one of the scariest moments that I've seen in a long time. Like, I love... I love good scary movies and mm-hmm. I was not expecting that as like a like I don't know what I was expecting Riddler's entrance to be but it was definitely not for him to literally just be like and I'm standing right behind you watching you and I was like mm. no this is terrifying I did not notice that guy before right yeah yeah I man it was so it's so effective because I didn't think the Riddler was going to like murder the man yeah because i mean it was pretty hard not to be spoiled that the main villain was going to be the riddler right and i mean he's had such a long comic book run that it's not unusual for him to be you know kind of violent but it was still very surprising to see just the level of brutality he comes right out the door swinging murders this man you know yeah like it, it really effectively establishes the tone of the violence going to be in this movie, you know? And it's also like, it because I think what it does really well is that it sets him apart. It was an interesting choice because, again, like, he shows up and it's like, oh man, he's like, he wasn't there and then suddenly he was. And then the way he goes about murdering the dude is so, like, just, like, extra violent and sloppy yeah like amateurish yeah and it was like he wasn't like if 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 he had done it the way that he wanted to it would have been like oh yeah like one strike would have killed him kind of thing or like it would have been very methodical Mm. you could tell by the way he did it that he wasn't versed in doing it yeah yeah for sure it it was it was very interesting to see that as the open like that was i was like man this is a great opening sequence and but then for it to shift Mm -hmm. to batman and his opening monologue Mm -hmm. that's like straight ripped from like a freaking comic book (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) just so dour and melancholy about you know the violence and i guess just overall tone of crime in gotham and whatnot you know what's kind of neat even if you didn't know the riddler was going to be the main villain you could kind of even see that it might still be batman in a weird way not that batman usually murders his you know like enemies and stuff kind of implied that this was going to be an early version of batman like just a few years or a year as batman so it's not crazy to think that he would hurt someone or to this extent at first until he then learns that like violence isn't going to solve everything and it's more effective to just maybe you know uh, take them to jail or something but no they just fully just commit to the Riddler being so homicidal you know obviously a lot of people love the whole entire like Batman speech about the signal and criminals thinking he's in the darkness which I think is great because you get to see like it's like all the criminals are like little kids in their bedroom and they're seeing like seeing the dark closet (laughs) and thinking something's going to step out the entire time i love that it's phenomenal yeah it it was so well done i i will say though sometimes it's kind of hard not to find it all a little campy even though i very much enjoy campy but it 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 was just a little silly i really like that they just committed to this it sets the tone of this movie also for batman's point of view but it's so fun to see such a kind of like uh edgy you know super serious yeah. Not to make fun of like Batman or any fans. I'm not trying to apply that at all. But it was also like taking a completely 100% serious value, making like real world assignments to like the logic of that opening speech. It's a little silly, you know? But it was great. I mean, I, I personally, I think it's great because 
man, the the amount of it, it just reminds me of the amount of times that um, when I used to live uh, at my old house with my parents, mm-hmm. uh, they would be like, "Hey, Anthony, go take out the the, the garbage." Mm-hmm. And the garbage was located at the back of the house in like the middle of nowhere type thing. Oh, okay. So uh, like a whole like run up the stairs before the darkness gets you because of the light. Yeah, yeah. So it's like yeah. I, I have to literally walk around the house to the very back, and it's like mm-hmm. pitch blackout, and mm-hmm. it's just like you hear a thing mm-hmm. and i'm like yo i'm adding and so like the idea that they like, yeah yeah they they adapt that so well where it's like these people are like i'm doing something bad i know i'm doing something bad mm-hmm. if batman shows up i'm screwed Dude, yeah it, it's so cool it was so well done man i loved it too like um especially the uh the one criminal we see robbing that convenience store yeah and he's like stops and looks at the sky and then you know gets hit by that car and yeah i think it's a really good opening sequence for like another reason and it's because when Batman does show up after he comes and like confronts the, the goons on the train station, mm-hmm. it's very interesting that with Riddler, his appearance was he literally just like appears behind the, the mayor. He's just he's for one second he's not there and the next second he is and then so he so Riddler just randomly pops up there's no like fanfare or anything it's just like damn he's there mm-hmm. and with Batman when he comes out it's loud and clunky and he's like making like big steps and it's like this whole entrance and it's like mm-hmm. the opposite of what you would expect from those characters because Batman's supposed to be like the stealthy one that no one notices coming in no one notices is there and then he he swoops in but like. That was Riddler, and then Batman's entrance was like, hmm, big, dramatic entrance that people are going to be looking at me while I'm doing. And Mm -hmm. I was like, that's really cool because you're subverting the style of both these characters, but it's also leaning into the kind of kind of horror elements that they're using to portray them. There's obviously, again, Riddler was a a serial killer and he comes out. I mean, he was basically the Zodiac killer, right? Yeah. So, but he comes out like he's stealthy and he just straight up murders someone. And then Batman is like the opposite, like the loud movie monster that mm-hmm. comes in and you're like oh god like i have to run away yeah i when the trailer first came out for this movie i saw this really maybe a popular comment to make but i saw this one comment that was like it's really cool to see batman portrayed as a, the jason Voorhees for villains in this city like some kind of unstoppable seemingly impervious like creature that just takes damage as much as like you throw at him and just won't go down and like is stalking you somehow you know and I was like, that's a pretty cool description of like the vibe they're trying to go for with this Batman. Yeah, it's oh man. That and that was something it's it's when people made that comment and like I was saying similar things being said. It was very I as a fan of him in the comic books and like mm-hmm. what how I view Batman, it was very much like, Oh man, I love that. Because mm-hmm. for me personally, I've always had this conversation where it's like, Okay, Batman is obviously in Gotham, right? Mm-hmm. At the same time, people know that Batman is on the Justice League. So why would criminals be afraid of Batman if they know, well, he's on the Justice League, so it's not really like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, yeah. clearly Batman works with Superman and Flash and all those guys. So clearly yeah. Batman's not as scared. Like, he's still obviously someone we have to worry about. But mm-hmm. like, you know, we don't, no one sits around being like, oh my God, what if Superman catches me? It's like, yeah. no, okay. So like, Batman's in that same league, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. My explanation that I've given people where I'm like, I think the way, and they've, I don't think it's ever been 
wasn't explicitly stated, but the way that people in Gotham look at Batman is like, oh, the Batman on the Justice League is a superhero. Mm. The Batman in Gotham... Like, the idea is that, like, the superhero Batman is based off of, like, like Batman is like Mothman. He's an urban legend. Oh, all right. Okay. So, I th- I see what you're trying to get at. I see the picture coming together. Okay. When Gotham people talk about Batman, they're talking about, like, oh, there's a creature that will come out that is, like, half man, half bat, that will, you know, stalk criminals and, like, fight for justice and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But then they're yeah. like hey but is it batman on the justice league they're like no 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 that's a guy who's a superhero named batman Mm. and the guy that we're afraid of is an entirely different beast like you don't want to run across batman because he will like land you in the hospital batman on the justice league he'll save you make sure your car doesn't fall off building or whatever with bat with superman and friends but the guy Mm -hmm. that we deal with is an entire like it's, it's like he's an urban legend so like they think and Affleck is Justice League Batman, and then Robert Pattinson's Batman is like the guy that they're like, "Oh man, I can't see like if he if if I can't see into that corner, he might be there." Yeah, that's a that's a really cool take on the Batman appearance with Gotham and in the wider world at large. Yeah, because like a dude in China is not going to be like, "Oh, those are the same people," right? Because yeah. the stories regarding them are entirely different. You, you know, to be honest, I think you're the first person I've ever talked to who's made that interesting distinction of about how batman might appear to like someone outside of gotham and you know versus in gotham pretty cool yeah i mean like when i see when i see him in this movie right i'm like man Mm -hmm. this is this is why people think that batman's an urban legend because like these people never run into him you know he's like oh i have to pick 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 my battles but on the criminal side of it it's like oh yeah no like this is like a monster that i have to worry about being in the darkness and right. that's only aided by the fact that he's like okay yeah i can only deal with like one dude a night mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the yeah, w- but luckily <laughs> these guys are peeing their pants at the thought yeah. that i might be there yeah and on um, i guess in comic book stories he's also like man i'm just getting too old or too like um spread too thin i know i'm going to start recruiting a bunch of people to help me and we're going <laughs> to just we're going to just take over the city and establish like an ever-present police force that's not the police and and it's just like this nightmare like scenario i guess for villains and i you know citizens at large depending on i guess the story because dude there's so many batman stories that like are able to write him in different ways that kind of go like a certain direction with that idea that he's a monster to some and a mo- and a hero to others, you know. So it's pretty cool seeing how they executed everything you just said in this movie, and seeing how they made this movie its own thing as well. Because like I really like how outside of the first scene, everything gets starts to be built very slowly, but like meticulously almost. Yeah. Where we get to see like you know his bat cave and his lair and his technology and like like we it's it's kind of like you're expecting to see you know like the Batman theme equipment but it they kind of play it more as a real world rich person's access to tech somehow like I I kind of was able to suspend my disbelief a little bit and be like oh yeah of course Batman and I guess Bruce Wayne has access to these things kind of like in the um, Christian Bale's Batman where 
I was also able to be like, yeah, of course this guy could have access to these things. And it was really cool to see how they set up this also different version of Gotham than we've seen in other movies too. Like this Gotham didn't feel like just New York or like Chicago, but felt like this weird art deco 80s current day amalgamation of like different versions of Batman's Gotham. But also being able to kind of tie it to the like current real day world, you know, it was really cool. Yeah, I very much. Uh, for me, when it came to like his tech and like the way that they built his surroundings and stuff, um, I've always hated the idea that someone would be like, "Oh, well, we everybody can guess that Bruce Wayne is Batman because like obviously like the technology and all this stuff, right?" Mm-hmm. And in this film, the way it came across to me, right, mm-hmm. was he has a really scary car. And you can't shoot him. And at one point he flies away. But at no point is it like, can you make the leap in logic that it's like, this must all be super advanced technology. And everybody could could clearly see that this man has like, uh, you know, extra military grade equipment. Yeah. I mean, it was an easy way to explain it in Christian Bale's Batman yeah. where the tech he has was because of his connections to like military contract or someone that worked for the military or something, right? Yeah. And like there is a bit of like advanced tech in this, the eye camera that allows yeah. him to scan. I I wasn't going to fault this movie for being like, "Oh, that's too unrealistic," you know? I yeah. was just like, "Oh, that's that's cool. That's fun." I think something that this movie does well and different is unlike the other movies, they don't give Batman's tech that signature battering Batman logo or like aesthetic. So there's a different level of believability to like his ability to like not be found because like in this city, there's a ton of people with a lot of money and a lot of that money is quiet money that doesn't like flaunt it, you know? Like the whole part of the plot is that Gotham is so corrupt that there's been a secret guy in like mafia running it all for like decades, right? Yeah, and the idea that I would see this dude dressed up in what looks like mostly leather, right? And be like, this is like the guys in the beginning of the movie were like, this guy looks like a freaking idiot. And why would you make a leap? Yeah, they call him a a rubber suit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Like, why would you make a leap in logic to be like, this guy is so cool. He must have millions of dollars. Why wouldn't I just assume this guy's a freaking weirdo <laughs> who just put on like body armor and stuff like the, the Riddler, the Riddler literally buy bought all of his gear. I'm a freaking, uh, I think like military depot. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, yeah. They both wear things that someone could believably get access to at like a surplus store, a hardware store or something of some kind. Like even the, um, for the the, I, yeah yeah except for that <laughs> but i mean even the like you could say that the gang members or the group of violent people at the beginning right could see someone dressing up like him because they themselves have their own weird aesthetic that they have going on you know yeah. like it's the, not crazy to be like oh yeah that guy could even be from a rival like clique or something but no he's just that weird threatening monster that seems to like stalk all of them you know yeah and and uh, yeah it's like one of those things where it's like these people are shooting at this dude and bullets are bouncing off of him and your immediate thought isn't oh this must be like super like rich like armor it's more of like yo why isn't this guy dead (laughs) (laughs) you know what i'm saying like like, you're like this dude's impervious to bullets and i don't Mm -hmm. understand why i'm like Mm -hmm. trying to mow him down and (laughs) like yeah it's not it's not he's not doing anything where it's like super flashy tech 
where mm-hmm. it should be like it's not like an arm cannon popped out and you're like well obviously that arm cannon is such high tech that it must mm-hmm. only belong to a billionaire it's more of like this dude's punching me in the face <laughs> it's like yeah yeah and violently and effectively <laughs> yeah violently and effectively knocking <laughs> me the hell out yeah but yeah yeah <laughs> oh man that that scene in the beginning and throughout this movie i really enjoy seeing him both give out that the punishment like the pain and also take a lot of punishment and it shows on him like when he reveals his like body after he takes off some of the suit you see all those scars and bruises and cuts and then like some when he's like fighting like um in the uh, in the penguins or falcon's club and he's being like he's attacking the bouncers and the bouncers attacking them back and sometimes they get good hits on him and he like takes a minute to be like fuck that hurt okay and then he goes back into it you know like it's it was really good yeah the freaking when he le- when he escapes the police station and he freaking decks himself on the freaking yeah. that was so funny he eats so much shit in that moment and i laughed so hard like <laughs> it, <laughs> i could not I could not resist laughing at that sudden change of just immediate, like, behavior. <laughs> it was so funny. And, man, he ate shit in that moment. But he got up and was just, like, limping out because he was being chased by a bunch of police officers. Yeah, it's, yeah, no, I, I think this movie <laughs> did... Oh, man, speaking of, so, so speaking of you laughing at that, I think this movie does a really good job of, like, despite the fact that the tone is really seriously, like, serious, it takes itself very serious. It does, right? yeah, but... but... I also think at a a very good amount of the time the movie is like no we also understand that some of like that some of this is funny but mm-hmm. not in the way that say marvel films say that they're, they're funny right and i'm not saying that that's the same thing or like to disregard that sense of humor but it's, it is a very different type of humor yeah yeah the um the marvel movies at least in the early days it's i feel like they're trying to lean away from that now a little bit they're not fully there yet but it's, it was very quippy like uh, marvel's always movies are always described as that quippy like back and forth dialogue where like the jokes come from a character saying something clever or smart after someone has said something you know like reactionary and whatnot but it this movie had a lot of funny moments of just like almost kind of like characters around batman reacting to this man just as a bad being batman yeah or like just moments of batman being kind of like that awkward repressed adult that has gone through trauma and doesn't really know how to like communicate with people because he's been a hermit for like fucking a decade like, um, <laughs> like when he goes into catwoman's apartment and there's just a bunch of cats around and he's just kind of awkwardly standing there being like cats nice yeah it's like he's like i don't don't exactly know what to say in this situation uh yeah you like cats <laughs> yeah does this constitute I, it, small talk are we flirting it's really i'm glad that catwoman found him attractive and i guess did pull uh did the first move because i don't see how this bat this batman this version of bruce wayne could ever start a a flirtatious conversation with somebody because he's so awkward and melancholy all the time you know yeah. it's like one of my favorite things though it's like again in the opening monologue he's like basically establishes this guy has no life he doesn't do anything but this like this is his mode 100 mm-hmm. percent of the time so like mm-hmm. to see that reflected in all the other ways he interacts with characters and how right. he exists on a day-to-day basis where it's like people are like oh i don't like the fact that he's not you know his bruce wayne is like really 
really weird and like kept to himself. And I'm like, because he's so, so early on in his career, he mm-hmm. does. That's all he cares about is his career. He's like yeah. so driven by Batman at this point that mm-hmm. to, like the idea for him to go out as Bruce Wayne doesn't occur to him. Yeah. Yeah. And like he is Batman to the full extent. It's kind of like that actual take on the thing that I hear about Batman all the time where his real self isn't Bruce Wayne. It's actually the Batman and his secret identity is Bruce Wayne or something like that. Yeah. I guess like what did you think of the cast and their performances as their like comic book counterparts, you know? Like we talked about Batman being really well portrayed by Robert Pattinson, but like what do you think of Selena Kyle and uh the penguin Martin Falcone? Yeah. What do you think of all of them? I think everybody for me I think everybody was like just spot on. I don't think I had an issue with anybody. I can I can see people not liking the fact that Riddler is like this kind of like weird incel internet guy. Which oh, is- dude, I have I have something to say about that later. That not bad. Just I, I do want to talk about that later. Yeah. So he's like the probably the biggest departure in regards mm-hmm. to like classic like iterations of him. Like he he's it's it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. I have no problem. I I personally enjoy Paul Dano's performance and and his Riddler but i do recognize that like oh i really wanted like this like really well kept together and like sharply dressed riddler and i'm like okay yeah no i get that but like at the same time that's not the vibe they were going for so i Mm. entirely forgive it man so like i love and i'm blanking on its name right now jeffrey wright i think his his jim gordon jeffrey wright played lieutenant gordon in this movie so his gordon i love gordon in this movie he's like there's okay so i love gordon and i want to mention i'm I'm gonna mention penguin right now i also love colin farrell's penguin they're phenomenal i i will yeah briefly i was really enjoying jeffrey wright's portrayal as gordon in this movie but holy shit was i blown away by colin farrell as the penguin oh my god Uh, aside from him being like in that head-to-toe prosthetic and completely unrecognizable as colin farrell he did such a good job being the penguin in this movie yeah like to the point where like even if he wasn't like head-to-toe like another dude I would have still been like, this is a great performance. I fucking love this guy. He sells all his lines, the mannerisms, all that super well. I, I mentioned him because there's a scene where the three of them get to interact, Batman, uh, Gordon, and Penguin. And the back and forth between all three characters is just absolutely perfect. Seeing Gordon and Batman just like riff off each other while they're interrogating Penguin. Yeah. And then Penguin just basically like, cut them down being like y'all are fucking idiots and i'm like no, yeah, I... God, I, I i couldn't agree with the penguin more in that scene when they had that clue about the bird pointing you towards the direction the person they were looking for had a bird theme name or something i was like how the fuck did none of you think of falcone as, or falcon well, i mean i was i was with penguin where he was like oh rata uh like uh, bird rat means mm-hmm. I was like, that's who I thought he was referring to. And I was like... Point, but like, God, I, I, I was just like, come on, you could have... Guys could have figured it out, you know. I mean, I missed the Falcone thing. I did not think of Falcone at all when they said when they gave the clue. I was like, oh well, clearly he's talking about Batman. And then they got to Penguin, and I was like, I guess that makes sense too. <laughs> See, I I was in my uh, crossword brain where I was like, all right, clue. Let me think. Penguin, Falcon, but Batman. If one of these, it has to be one of these. And uh, freaking just him telling him like that it was not, it was like L, it's, it's not L, it's La. And he's like, mm-hmm. bruh, 
this dude spitting freaking Spanish facts at these guys, and they're just like dumbfounded. They're like, wait, wait, are we wrong? It's like, oh my god, this is freaking. That's why I'm like, this movie's hilarious because yeah, yeah, that's so funny. What do you think of Andy Circus as uh, Alfred? I think if any, if if there's gonna be anything to critique in terms of casting, they didn't use his Alfred like at all. Um, but so so that's my main gripe is like you have Andy Circus and he's really good, and I think he would be like a phenomenal alfred but like we got like two scenes with the dude yeah he was sparingly used and yeah. it was kind of surprising you know alfred's so intrinsic to batman's story yeah. that i really thought he was gonna be in it a little more but you know i guess jim gordon to that role a little bit more in this movie of being like his go-to guy yeah like the guy he talked the bland yeah and i mean that makes sense on a certain level because an ongoing plot point in this movie is like a mystery and like um you have to solve the clues to find your way through like the plot right yeah a detective and a commissioner of like a police commissioner would make more sense than like batman and his you know like father figure uh, butler even though he does help him a lot in this movie i think it's very good despite the fact that i think that they use him very little um as so i think they talk about the fact that like uh matt reeves has talked about the fact that um he never necessarily he never necessarily planned on there being a sequel he knew it was Mm -hmm. possible but he never planned on it yeah so the idea that he so like if you just took this movie and were like there's never gonna be a second Mm -hmm. you could look at this movie as like a mom as as just like a look at it and be like they nail all the characters so well in the movie with even the little screen time that they have like the idea that we are introduced to Alfred and they mm-hmm. entirely sell the concept that Alfred is like the most important person that Bruce Wayne has on like a personal level. Yeah. You know? Like they did that in a scene. And I was like, yo, like how, how, like, I don't even like, like, again, like that's like stuff that you get into later on. Like that's like, oh, clearly Alfred's always been there, but like, have we ever dug into their relationship? And this movie's like, no, we're doing that now. And we're doing it so well that you will a hundred be a hundred percent be sold on the fact this is his yeah, father. Well, they did. They had that really effective scene of Bruce Wayne kind of having that mini argument with Alfred and almost kind of like immaturely being like, well, you're not my father, Alfred. And then you just see the hurts on, you know, Andy Serkis's face and you're just like, ow. Like, if, if I had no idea who Alfred was or Batman or knew nothing about Batman, I could tell that that cut really deep. And that was a rough thing to, to hear and say to this man, you know? So, yeah, so I think they did a really good job just, like, portraying that on screen. I think they mm-hmm. did a really good job going back to Catwoman because we haven't talked much about her. But mm-hmm. like you said, it's really good that she, that she she was really into this Batman because he's not really, like, outwardly sexy, quote-unquote. <laughs> but I really dug just like the they had a very clear magnetism to each other that wasn't intent and in, inherently like oh well clearly they have these lines of dialogue where they you can kind of sparse that they're interested mm-hmm. in each other it's more of like no you can tell by the way that they look at each other that there's a very deep interest in each other on just like a core like physical level that mm-hmm. th- it just sells their like attraction not necessarily that they're a good match or that they make a good relationship but like i can tell that they, they make it very clear that bruce wayne is attracted to selena kyle mm-hmm. and like the way that he just watches her and then it makes it very clear that she's attracted to him by just like the way that he is 
Yeah, I I gotta give it to Zoe Kravitz. I haven't really seen her in a lot of things, you know? Funny enough, she was also Catwoman in the Lego Batman movie. That was kind of... Yeah, like, she was. Yeah, so I guess she had some experience playing Catwoman because she was wonderful in this movie, you know? Yeah. What a well-done Selena Kyle Catwoman. I love her acrobatics as she, like, got around Gotham and how they really played into the actual just cat burglar aspect of selena kyle catwoman and at the same time made her super interesting relevant to the plot she wasn't just in the movie as catwoman being like that's batman you know he's they're gonna like end up kind of like kind of this attraction she was actually relevant because this movie juggled a lot of villains and people very well you know oh man the plot of this movie <laughs> it's a, so it, it totally i feel like it totally deserves its three hours totally works and Mm -hmm. but like yeah you're right like it juggles a ton where it's like and it's great because like you said earlier it just draws so many parallels between that character and Mm -hmm. batman yeah where it's like Catwoman's story is parallel to Batman. Riddler's story mm-hmm. is parallel to Batman. The whole plot that Batman's going through is entire is very personal. And it's like the way that I'm able to see. Okay, so personally, right, mm-hmm. and this is not. A, I'm sure people will be like, "Oh man, he talks about Marvel movies all the time, and he complains about certain ones all the time." But for me personally, when uh, so, comes... <laughs> so here's your your hot takes coming up, huh? My my my, my this is not a hot take. I mean, I guess it is. Because <laughs> Marvel movies are like super freaking popular. But mm-hmm. for me personally, the way that I look at those movies, while very enjoyable, I feel like the character arcs that you get in them are very weak and they come across the way that there's a common complaint in comics in general where it's like okay cool you can have this adventure but at the end of the day they need to be pretty much the same character by the end of this right they can't change too much right right and so like when i'm watching a marvel movie where it's like oh yeah they went through this incredible arc and i was like "Mm." like at the end of the day though like the next time you see them They'll be acting the same way. But I guess there will be consequences, like physical consequences to what they did sometimes. But like in terms of character, they pretty much have to always learn, relearn a lot of these lessons, right? Yeah, and I can see that. With this movie, with the placement of where they did it on the timeline, again, like if you never see another one, you get a very clear glimpse of all these characters going through a big level up where it's like, Batman after this movie is a very different character than when he was in this movie, right? Like the right. next time we see Batman, he's operating on a very different level. Mm-hmm. Catwoman, the way that she is, Riddler, like all of these characters by the end of the film, you're like, oh man, they definitely, like if you told me the next time we see Riddler, he is like his comic book version, I would believe because he's like, okay, cool. So I did that the first time. I'm going to like clean up a little bit more, like refine the gimmick a little bit and like be a little bit more showy just because that's what he learns in prison or whatever. And then like with, if I could believe that, right? Yeah. yeah. And with Batman, it's, it's great to see in this movie with all the different story arcs being like, all right, cool. So what does he learn from his interactions with Catwoman? What does he learn from his interactions with, with Riddler? And what do they learn from him as a result as well? And it's like this scene, like again, like this, it's like really well put together where the story operates on so many different levels that it's like, Oh man, like they did so much intentional work on this 
that I can't even look at a thing and being like, yeah, that's just convenient or that's really lazy. Or it's like, no, everything was like thought out and like planned not from a filmmaking standpoint, not just like the plot. Of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, oh man. Okay. I, I, I feel like there's a few things I want to talk to you about this movie, but to finish this one up about like the actor's performance, I want, I will say I did not expect John Turo Turo. Oh yeah. No, I did not expect him as Falcone. Yeah. I, I, John, do you know how to say his last name? John Turo? Turo. I, because he's such a he's such a well-known actor. Like I've seen him in so many things, and I really enjoy his work. But and I'm sorry for, for not getting his name right. But I I was pretty impressed with his performance as Carmen Falcone. He did not strike me as that role. You know what I mean? Like it it wasn't what I thought Carmen Falcone was going to be in this movie. Let alone who was going to portray him as. And he did such a good job. Like oh. I really enjoyed his performance in this movie as Carmen Falcone. Yeah, no. I, when I see okay, so when I see, I think his name, I think it's John Turturro. Turturro. That think, sounds right. Maybe? I want to say that sounds right. <laughs> but I, when I think of the dude, I'm like Transformers. He's the guy in his underwear in Transformers, and he's like a big, <laughs> loud, obnoxious character. <laughs> And really, see, see, I, I think of him because my one of my favorite movies of all time is Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Oh, yeah, he's, he's also he's, in that. That's also great. He's one of the major roles in that movie. So it's funny that that's your immediate thought. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I think of him as, as Transformers. So seeing him as Falcone, I'm like, oh, what? That's not Falcone. That can't. That, uh-huh. They picked him? And uh-huh. to see his, his, his portrayal and the way his character just thinks and acts. Like, mm-hmm. yo, this is... He is so good in this. Um, I think he's like in turn. Like I don't think people talk about him enough when they talk about this movie because yeah. you know there's so many great. Obviously, there's so many things to talk about. Yeah, but yeah, like really are <laughs> like so like oh like yo Falcon's a huge part of this film and he somehow like despite what I think of him as I'm like yo like I can never just underestimate this man ever. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. So, dude, this is a show I actually would love to talk with you about in the future. But I just finished watching the show called Severance on Apple TV. Okay. And I will say he does amazing in that show as his character. Oh, but he's in that show and he's wonderful. He does his role as the, one of the main characters so well. I have to watch this show now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was. We can now talk about the political and thematic things that go on in this movie. <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> we could, let's, let's do it. All right. So the main thing I didn't pick up first initially yeah. and it was more the second time around, there feels like there was a very clear intention to have this third act end with with a commentary about the January 6th insurrection, like, attack on the Capitol. Really? Yes, because, and I, like I said, I didn't pick this up the first time, but they point out in the movie that this thing is going to take place on the 6th in this movie. Does it? Really? <laughs> and yeah, yeah, they, they totally do, man. And I was like, oh, okay. So once I was aware of that moment, I was like, this movie... I guess is trying to make a commentary about like the broader political issues going at large in the United States. Because like, I mean, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but yeah, I mean, so I would typically not believe that. And just, like, think it's just a coincidence, right? Mm-hmm. I would typically just think like if this movie came out when it was originally planned on coming out and you told me that was the case, I'm like, mm, it's so far into production that that seems like it's like a big stretch right yeah yeah it does yeah but the movie was pushed back and it did happen long enough ago that i can totally imagine it's not a huge detail 
right? Mm-hmm. Where they're like, okay, we can ADR slash like add in some visuals, like to hundred percent sell this. Where I'm like, yeah, wait, no, you're right. Like that is, and it like entirely possible. I mean, granted, it might also just be like it might also be a coincidence in the sense that mm-hmm. uh, a, uh, what is it like? Conf- like the confirmation is on January sixth on like a regular basis. I'm pretty sure. Like, don't don't quote me mm-hmm. on politics. I don't care enough to like to, like about the, <laughs> yeah. the proceedings. I don't care enough about the proceedings to know anything. But like, it could be like, well, okay, well, January sixth is like when they like confirm the nomination and yada yada blah blah. blah. So of mm-hmm. course she would be like. This she wins gov the governor race, so it would be announced on January sixth, kind of thing. That she's like that's like the confirmation celebration, yeah, yada yada blah blah blah, right? And it's like so, like on two levels, it could be a, a coincidence, but no. Now that you say that, and now that I'm like I re- recognize the timeline and like mm-hmm. what small of a detail it was. Like it's not like it's like throughout the entire movie they're like January sixth. No, yeah, yeah. You know, no. it's like no, like I can get Robert Pattinson into the booth and say they're gonna attack on January sixth. Uh, <laughs> you know, like for like ten minutes, that's fine. And I'm pr- and or like have them say it on like a chat room, right? Like oh. Originally, we had it written that they were gonna say February third. <laughs> yeah, I feel like, and like, I don't have like the exact time code that they do this right, but it feels like it was either in the like, they, it might have been an off thing, but like, I, I just, God, it just feels like, yeah, I can see how this movie might be talking about something like this, you know? Yeah, like, I kind of want to go back and look for that time code to be like, yeah, here, here's the point in time, you know? Yeah, cause it's funny because I remember when this movie came out, only critiques that I ever heard about any of the, the politics or anything like that came from that side of the aisle, right? Where it's like, mm. oh, it's too woke. It's, you know, they're trying to, like, make parallels between them and, you know, uh, right-wing people and, like, internet incels and yada, yada, blah. Like, with that group of people who had that mindset for Riddler and all that... Mm-hmm that they're clearly alluding to didn't like the movie right so like yeah <laughs> um, god i like, i'm really hoping i didn't get that wrong because that would make me feel a little silly but like i feel like it's there though you yeah, know if, if by the end of this it's like actually they very clearly say january 16th and you were just hearing <laughs> things and it's like oh yeah, man I, like that's that's an entirely different number i sound like an idiot um, <laughs> yeah well the um, the reason i wanted to talk about the maybe political commentary of this movie right is because part of my initial reaction of when i was watching this movie the first time and you actually got to see the riddler's face right yeah. like he was in prison like he was arrested by the cops at the diner and stuff and we had that bit of humor where he was in the cafe and he I guess, made the little question mark in his coffee, you know? And he gets taken to prison. When they show him in the prison cell about to be interrogated by Batman, the facade drops. You get to see his face, and he's just this guy who's a kind of pasty and maybe a little unhinged, right? And, I mean, very unhinged because he murdered a bunch of people. But, like, it's almost like the scary, murderous monster is dropped and it's just a man committing violence for like the sake of this weird crusade, kind of like Batman because of the whole parallel, whatever, right? And I was initially like, oh, that's kind of disappointing. I really liked it more when he was an intimidating serial killer just kind of like terrorizing the city as a villain, right? It was was like a scary, effective villain. And then it... 
after the movie had you know had time has passed, I kind of thought it was more like, oh, I think that's what they were going for. I yeah. think the whole point of that scene was to be like these people that are doing harm on the greater population at large and putting all this fear into like society and these people are just a bunch of like misguided, harmful and toxic mentality that's being like spurred on by just a handful of people leading everyone to be super on edge all the time. And like, I don't know if that's a complete, like well assessment of that scene or maybe of the theme of this movie as like a topical commentary on like what's going on currently in the United States. But like, I don't know, man, maybe it maybe feels like that's what's the intention behind it. You know, I think, man, it's, it's very interesting to see like that, the scene with him in the prison. Right. I thought it was, Mm -hmm. I I know a lot that that was, I I reference people's opinions all the time. Like when I was seeing people talk about the movie, they're like, Oh yeah, that was really awkward and cringe. Like it really killed his character. And I was like, no, like it's one, it is again, like you said, a parallel to Batman. Batman is a dude who puts on a persona and dresses up and is on this weird crusade. Right. But it also, it does show, like you said, like it was just, it does show like a true version of this character. Like the idea that the Riddler is of, disguise that he puts on that he's not like that that is just like this he's he's just a dude right yeah and he's he's a dude with a bunch of other dudes who are getting upset and riled up and are willing to kill people for it and Mm -hmm. the idea that it it does have parallels just it just naturally with what things how people are reacting nowadays and uh, you know the movie doesn't at other points doesn't try to like shy away from like political language like freaking there's a moment where catwoman's talking about like oh you must have grown up rich it's like oh these people all they care about these privileged white people and there's another part uh which someone had pointed out was that you know they tried like it's weird the political messaging of the movie is weird because there was a moment where it was like oh when they arrest carmen falcone they're like well not all cops are bad and it's like yeah like there, there are clear intentional political phrases used in the film i don't think it tries Mm. to make like a very distinct political statement though i probably other than like yo violence is wrong that's pretty much like the main takeaway from the film because it's like batman the whole thing that batman learns at the end of the film is like my approach to helping people is entirely flawed and built on my own self-interest and anger and inability to like actually cope with certain things you know like that's that's what you know like again batman has an arc batman's arc is that he learns that he is not vengeance he is ineffective at you know at accomplishing what he really wants to set out to do yeah like Like, because he's just creating more and more violence and perpetuating a cycle you know a different cycle that um that the, the city doesn't need and that's it that's interesting, you know, like learning. I mean, that that's a political statement in of itself, you know, obviously talking about like breaking cycles and understanding yeah. uh, how you help others without hurting others at the same time. Kind there's, of. There's a thing, though, that it might be just because the movies, it feels like part of the thing that maybe is behind that idea that Batman still has more to learn and it's just now has gone through an arc. First, he needs to realize that, you know, like this movie showed him, like his approach to crime fighting and you know his vengeance wasn't achieving what he wanted and the other thing it feels like that might aid to the kind of mixed messages of the commentary in this movie is he hasn't really fixed the city by the end of this movie which good because you know you can't fix everything immediately with just 
one speech or one act of like heroic bravery but it also feels like he hasn't yet realized or the movie hasn't addressed it where the day was saved because the riddler is gone and yet there are still a ton of corrupted cops the mafia is still mostly in charge of the city and while we have a mayor that i initially thought was also going to be corrupt seemingly now elected to hopefully try to lead gotham in the right way or i guess into a promising future might be against a brick wall of an institution because there's just so much corruption already baked into the system you know yeah it's i i like it works as a standalone movie because you don't have to think about any of that going forward (laughs) yeah but like yeah if if you think about sequels it's like no he still has to face all this stuff that city is not like yeah you're right the city was saved because riddler's done but like it was still destroyed they still need to rebuild Mm -hmm. Yeah, and not to mention the power vacuum that's about to happen with Carmen Falcone being out of the picture and probably the Penguin trying to seize control, yeah. who, I mean, if there's going to be a show about the Penguin, which I haven't looked into much yet, I could see maybe a ongoing villain in that series to rival the Penguin, not being a hero, but maybe being another villain like Black Mask. Yeah, I feel like it's going to be like the Boardwalk Empire, like Sopranos, like clearly like a mafia story where the guy is not a good guy, but like who you're following. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's it's like, what are they going to do to make the Penguin a compelling character that gives him, you like you want to see him win? Because unlike Peacemaker, I mean, I don't know. I, just watching that guy makes me want to see him win. <laughs> I, I, yeah, no, I do want to see this villain be the best villain he can be because, like, I'm totally fine with that story, right? Oh, so good. But it, it's it's gonna it's gonna be different than like say Peacemaker, right? The other spinoff DC property yeah. from a movie where in Peacemaker. He was a hero, but he he was a shit hero, but he was, you know, bordered like at the bottom of everything trying to be a hero. The Penguin just wants to fucking rule the city with power in the mafia, right? Yeah. So like you can't really give him a racist father and be like sympathetic origin story. There you go. No, I think, I think yeah, like I think it's, it's going to go the, the way of like the Sopranos where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, you're not supposed to root for them, but they're, they're compelling, you know, Breaking Bad. He's also, I mean, he's sympathetic, I guess. Yeah. But you know, I mean, to a certain point, he it is a villain origin story kind of a show, right? Yeah. Like, so I think that's I think that's what they're gonna go with. But overall, like, I'm man, I this movie, this I love the themes of this movie. I like the yeah. ideas that it brings up, and like maybe I think I get maybe I think the political messaging is a little sloppy, but like you know, if that's what if that's what I'm gonna consider sloppy in a movie and like a nigh perfect movie for me. I'm like, man, that's fine, whatever. <laughs> plenty of movies <laughs> yeah, where I don't agree with fair. the political messaging. So. Yeah, I mean, like I, like I said the first time, I didn't really think about the political undertones of this movie until the second time around, you know? So, like, it, it wasn't even on the, like, mind and stuff, or it, it's just, it just happened to pop up. But, like, now that, um, now that this, we talked about, I guess, some of the political topics, like... So what do you think of, like, the Riddler's whole, like, do you want to talk about the whole Riddler, the whole renewal thing? Because, I mean, that kind of ties into the whole, like, failure of, like, the government at large and political figures in this movie trying to, like, do more and just being, just failing at it, you know? Because he was clearly affected by the whole failed renewal plan that his father, Thomas Wayne, tried to attack. Yeah, so I will say that I think it's interesting that, for the most part, the mystery aspect isn't, like... Riddler's leaving clues for you to solve a mystery. It's more of like Riddler's leaving clues 
I love the reveal that Riddler's not leaving clues for Batman to solve a mystery, but Riddler's leaving clues for Batman to help him, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was it was such a clever way to be like Bat, like the Riddler's just do or die fan, like to the end, just like going out with a bang, totally yeah. trying to re trying to <laughs> recreate that scene at the end of Fight Club where they stand on the end of a skyscraper looking out to the city and they see the, the <laughs> explosions and they just yeah. kiss or something. <laughs> So it's it's uh it's it, it's fun to see it's it was fun to see that like like with Riddler it's hard to write a character who's always smarter than your main character right it's like okay well how are we supposed to beat them or because... at least trying to be smarter than Batman because you yeah. know Riddler stories always end with the Riddler being outsmarted by Batman right yeah so like, like the writer has to be a genius because Riddler has to be a genius and it's hard to write geniuses if you're not one right mm -hmm. so it was very easy it was very cool for them to take a different approach. Where it was like not necessarily that Batman's being outsmarted, but that the their the reason that Batman doesn't know what's going on is because they're on entirely different wavelengths. It's like, no, no, no. You like for the most part you understand what I'm going for. But Riddler's not trying to like trick him or like trap him in a logic puzzle. It's more of like, oh no, I thought I thought you understood what we were doing here. And apparently there's this big misunderstanding with how we're running this. You know what I'm saying? Right. Where it's like, he's not, he's not trying to outsmart Batman. Batman just doesn't understand. So it's very mm. different than just like, ah, yes, you couldn't solve my crossword, Batman. <laughs> uh, now prepare to eat it or something. I don't know. Riddle uh, me this, Batman. What has, what is blind and flies around with sonar? <laughs> yeah. Like he's not, he's not trying to trick him. He's not like, asking dumb quests like he's like no i'm leading you down this like trail of breadcrumbs and you're gonna find out i'm um, trying to find out these things as we go and you'll understand the bigger picture as we get there and it's like oh man this is like really freaking dope like i very much enjoyed the way that it like goes and how it intertwined with Catwoman's story which is entirely separate like who has nothing to do with this plot because she has connections to the mafia it's like you're somehow you're somehow involved and it makes so much sense despite the fact that you're not entirely necessary. yeah yeah it just well it feels like it's so clever the way she is involved in the story and isn't because it goes to the whole bigger idea that like the city is so corrupt that everything is affected by like one group or one thing right yeah it's kind of like the mob that has so many ties and like hands in so many different pots the moment someone comes in and fucks with everything it just causes like a domino effect everything starts to spin out of control you know yeah. and it was also great because when when carmine falcon does die and she had planned on killing him and then riddler ends up killing him it's like this this again overall theming where batman and like the characters around him are learning that the revenge or the retribution or the you know the the crusade that they're on isn't worth it mm. right like you can tell on on uh selena kyle's face that when her dad dies it's like this doesn't bring me the resolution that i hoped it would yeah it's and then when riddler succeeds and batman's in arkham with him and he realizes that they're not friends <laughs> He's like, no, this isn't what I wanted. Like, this is this is not how it was supposed to end up. God, that scene was it was a little hard to watch because it did feel a little cringy. Not in their performance, but that feeling of like, kind of like I don't know, seeing someone meet a celebrity and then being like, what, wait, what do you mean we're not friends? I've seen you in everything. I've watched your shows, your movies. Like, I I know you yeah. so well. And then that person, it's like. 
I mean, the, the, not really. I mean, uh, you know, it's it's that kind of feeling. I mean, that, I don't think that's an actual, hopefully that's not a real role to, like, example, but, like, that's the vibe I got from that whole moment, you know? Yeah, I mean, that is, uh, what is that, a parasocial relationship? Like, people form this all the time with celebrities uh, over... Like... I mean, a parasocial relationship taken to an unhealthy extent, yeah, you know? So, oh, man. But, oh, yeah, I loved, I loved his plot. I loved that whole entire thing. Yeah, yeah, what a what a cringy but well-acted scene, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Wait, so, like, now that, uh, since we're talking about the prison scene in that moment, right? Like, did you watch that deleted scene with the Joker? I did. He's disgusting. Please never show me his face again. It was that. It was that. <laughs> oh, dude, I loved it. Okay, this is gonna be. This is so funny because this is, goes into the thing from like our previous discussion, where I I love horror stuff and I love like the unsettling aspect to like yeah designing creatures and stuff. They look disgusting in that in that like window fogged scene where he looks so nasty. Oh my god. Yeah, it looked like the like the. Um, what is that Batman run when the when the Joker takes his face off and like plays with it around Batman all the time? Oh, Scott Snyder's run, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It felt like that kind of Joker, which I'm very excited to see such a unhinged Joker. But at the same time, I'm glad it was a deleted scene because it it feels like it could be in the movie. It feels fine without it. And at the same time, I'm like, oh, Warner Brothers, you couldn't resist putting the Joker in this movie even a little bit, huh? No, so, okay, so yeah, I think he looks disgusting. I think it looks great because it very much, like, I think the idea is that, like, this is a Joker who, yes, he does have a relationship with Batman, but it's very, very new. Mm -hmm. And it's like, this dude just fell into a vat of chemicals. <laughs> He's barely growing his hair back. He has a bunch of scars. He's still really swollen. Uh, yeah. Like, he figured and stuff. He's mangled. Like, he is rough. Yeah, he's mangled. Oh, man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> And so, like, the idea, like, that he's like, oh, no, he'll look better in the future. Like, he'll look, he'll heal, right? But he still look nasty. And I'm like, oh, God, that guy is just unsettling. And also, really good job being portrayed by Barry Kerrigan. Yeah, he's he really good. Barry Kerrigan. But he was really good. And I liked, like you said, I think it works really well as a deleted scene. I don't think it needed to be in the movie. I didn't particularly like the fact that he showed up at the end of the movie, like, in, like, the other cell, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But I like the concept that again if this movie was by itself it was kind of like the, the idea was that matt reeves wanted to set up that gotham was going to get worse yeah right that like the villains are only going to escalate it's only going to become worse for the people in the city as as time goes on with yeah. that, at least on that end where it's like that's good if, if, if i never see another movie again that's fine but it, because i know that there's likely another movie my fear becomes that we're going to get another joker film yeah i think that they're not planning on becoming having another joker film and i would pray that there's not another joker film. but that's what like when you when you think of sequel possibilities it's like oh well yeah it's gonna be joker and i'm not looking forward to that why did it have to include him? yeah <laughs> like, the idea if i hadn't seen him the idea that I, we never see the joker is like still plausible but because we mm. have seen him and we know there's sequels coming it's like ah oh, man yeah so <laughs> like show him again so okay i i am um, before the deleted scene came out right it was just that scene at the end where you kind of got the the obscured laugh and that moment when they were talking to each other right so there was some plausible deniability that that actually might not have been the joke so i saw a lot of interesting like fan casting for who it could maybe be it's like, oh, it would be really cool if that wasn't, like, the Joker and if it was, like, someone um, unexpected. Like, I don't know. Fuck, who, who, who did I see around the time? Like, there's so many villains that it could just 
you could pull from you know what i mean like obscure ones too yeah. like mad hatter or something right or um condiment king or the or kite man or something i don't think i saw any of those yeah. as speculations for who that was right but like that obscureness could let your imagination fill in some of those gaps and be like wow it'd be really cool to see this so now when that movie came out and i got a chance to talk to it with some people like um we were talking about like who would be interesting to see in the sequels of this movie right aside from i guess now being confirmed that that was joker right yeah and i was thinking it'd be really cool to see someone that really hasn't appeared in live action like mr freeze it'd be really cool to see mr freeze but it'd also be like a an in-between of some of batman's villains are very much more fantastical you know like there's a certain, certain level of like you need to do things to lead up to this believability that this could happen like Clayface. so like that's why i said mr freeze would be really cool because it's like oh i could maybe see something where something goes wrong and gets affected and then gets like I don't know, like a scuba suit or a diving suit and fixes it or like changes it into being like liquid nitrogen suit or something, right? Like it's it's a little yeah. bit of like someone being smart enough to figure out doing it on their own. And it could go into this idea of the corporation still kind of like their hands in Gotham outside of the mafia, right? And like rampant worker mistre- mistreatment or something. And I don't know, Mr. Freeze could be like a, a researcher that something goes wrong and, you know, like whatever origin story you want to give for Mr. Freeze. But I think Mr. Freeze would be a great villain to introduce into this kind of world, you yeah. know? So I, I, Mr. Freeze is very popular. I like the idea of Mr. Freeze. I, okay. So it's like, there. so the, my two villains that i would love to see and one's only because i want to see him in live action and he is fantastical but like you could arguably make it like realistic mm-hmm. i doubt it and then the other one is like i just didn't like the last version of him and i think it would work story-wise so the first one is man bat oh dude that'd be that'd be really cool it'd be hard to see in this kind of style of movie but it'd be so dope it, i guess they could, they could yeah. do it though I, they could definitely do it i feel like i feel like something similar to what she said where it's like an accident gone wrong and it's this real tragic story of this like mm. dude who's like trapped in a form that he like doesn't recognize and like is losing himself to instincts, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And it's like, oh man, like I could see that with Batman, like it parallels him really well. And he's like trying to learn how to be good, and then Man Bat's struggling with like keeping his humanity and stuff like that. And it's like, oh yeah, I can mm-hmm. see it. And I would love to see Man Bat because it's just like villain we've never seen on the screen, like in the mm-hmm. movie. And it's like that would be really dope. And like. I would just, I just, and it would lean in more into like the horror aspects of this film. Yeah. Where it's like that, you know, like, I feel like they would do a really good job. But then uh, on a different level, and this ties into, well, I have, a, I have a third character that I would love to see, but. I, I have a guess, but go, yeah, go ahead. So the other villain is Ra's al Ghul. Uh, oh, that wasn't what I was going to guess, but okay. Uh, yeah. So with Ra's al Ghul, the reason I would love to see him is because, okay. So again, a big complaint that people had with this film was that Bruce Wayne wasn't really like the philanthropist, like playboy, whatever character, mm-hmm. right? And I was like, yeah, no, 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 that's, that's the point. Like, he's not there yet. But the idea that the next film has Ra's al Ghul, who is like, uh, you know, a very wealthy philanthropist on the outside, like he's like runs organizations and he's like, Gotham has just been destroyed. We'll rebuild it, you know, like we'll make it like I'll, I'm heavily invested in the well-being of this city and like I'll actively invest in yada, yada, blah, blah, blah. So it's like in the next movie of Ra's is the bad guy, it gives us an excuse for Batman to be Bruce Wayne for extended periods of time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
And then it also lets you bring in Talia, who is a secondary love interest, who is an entirely different aspect of his character and how he bounces off her as opposed to how he bounces off Catwoman. Mm. So you get like dichotomy and like extra, extra, like, you know, extra depth to his character. And it allows for all that interesting play with the the typical, you know, you know, we, we see Bruce Wayne once in a while, but like the intrigue there is very minimal. So introducing a villain who exists in that world would be smart because then at, at the same time he still has to fight him as batman and him and Raish do fight on in the, on that level as well yeah. and then we can have them shirtless fighting on a cliff or whatever <laughs> <laughs> see like i think that'd be really dope it'd be very interesting to see this that a take like that in this movie franchise and at least in this like potential movie uh trilogy uh, quadrility whatever they want to do however many they want to make yeah it just feels like they might not do those characters because Nolan already kind of did them with Chris, uh, Christian Bale a yeah. bit, you know? So maybe it won't work out. And I cannot remember if our, our friends were the ones that brought this up when I was talking to them or if it was me. But I think a really interesting and really cool villain idea for a third movie would be the Court of Owls. Yeah, I think Court of Owls is... I, I mean, they, everybody keeps on talking about them. I think... In my personal opinion, I feel like they step on too many toes of this movie. Mm -hmm. See, the reason I say for a third movie would be because I think it'd be great if there was a tiny bit of a, a jump in time, right, between each movie. And specifically for a third movie, it'd be very interesting for the idea of Batman, uh, like, inexperience in this movie, right? Yeah. Coming into his own a little more in the second one and then being the Batman that everyone knows and loves in the third one only for him to realize that despite all of his growth and like arcs and like progress and of cleaning up the city, there is still the underground society with the court of Isles. Exactly. And it would so effectively set up a continuation of Batman, even if they didn't make any more movies after a third one, right? For his work to never be done because this feeling of you never know if there's going to be something else underneath the surface of gotham kind of like the court of owls and the, the whole idea of them just being there the entire time he never realized it and it'd be very cool to see that yeah, i think you know? i think for a third one that would work mm -hmm. i will say this um I, a couple people have suggested it and i've seen some discourse around it and i am 100 percent for this not a villain I want Robin to be in this franchise. I mean, they ha they set it up so well. Like you can see that. Like, it looked like the kid was like, "Hey, we're giving Robin parallels, my dude." Oh, dude, that Robin, that like small child that was affected by the Riddler. I don't think they gave him a name, but he could definitely be a Robin in this franchise. Like, but like, yeah, like if you're if you want to be like the Court of Owls in the third movie, if we're gonna do Court of Owls, they planned for Robin's parents to die for some whatever reason, or if you know mr freeze causes an accident that kills him or Rachel ghoul the 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 you know the the, the league of shadows murder them or something yeah <laughs> i oh man i i really hope they do a robin i feel like there's been so many people i've talked to 
that are all behind the idea of a Robin being in these movies because it'd be so great to see Robin in this movie, you know? <laughs> and it, it, it works so well with it works so well with Batman's character growth mm-hmm. to be like, and now we introduce is he like, and now we introduce further mm-hmm. growth. Like that, that's what Robin is. Robin is like, we have a Batman that's growing and to introduce a Robin is to introduce, you know, an in, like Robin was introduced before Joker was in the comics. He's integral to the character. So to like have him be introduced and further our Batman's growth, it's like, no, this is how it's supposed to be. We should want this. And and then we can follow that character. He could be Nightwing later. I Like, you know, we don't have to keep on doing Batman. You know, it's just like, mm-hmm. I would love to see them actually, you know, continue on this path. Because again, like my big issue with other superhero films is that I feel like they don't go places. And if you tell me that in each of these movies, Batman is becoming better person Mm -hmm. right and learning more about himself and helping others and all that stuff i will genuinely be incredibly ecstatic because this is so far at the very least my favorite batman that we've ever gotten oh yeah this currently is my favorite batman and this movie is probably one of the batman movies that i would return to kind of like some of the other some of my other favorite batman movies you know like the dark knight is a pretty clear favorite among many right this one's probably it's up there for me now and i think a fun way to end this like podcast episode would be to like maybe bring up who would anyone listening to this would like to see in the next movie maybe who what robin would you like to see in the next movie like i think personally tim drake would be a great robin to introduce in this movie franchise because i feel like tim drake is already in the movie he's just not tim drake yeah yeah exactly it feels like he's already in this movie that little kid could definitely smarten up and well, like so the the guy who plays you know the, the so kid who plays well he's not a big guy who plays tim drake and titans is in the movie <laughs> no way so yeah really yeah he's uh so you know the the guy in the beginning of the movie with the half face paint mm, yeah 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 the one that okay. was that's supposed to beat up the asian dude yeah okay i think i i don't so, immediately recognize his face it's not yeah, i don't have it clear in my memory but yes i know who you're yeah, referring so you to go back the the, the main like sad thug in the beginning of <laughs> the beginning of the movie he plays tim drake in the show titans wow okay i haven't seen titans wow that's really cool then yeah so it's like i don't know why that dude is just attached See? to batman projects but you know more power to him i'd love to see him again <laughs> Oh man, it's okay. It's funny that he plays the same Drake in Titans, but because if that character, that actor who he's portraying in this movie were to be a Robin, considering who he's portraying in this movie, Jason Todd would make more sense. Oh yeah, no, 100%. I was like, yo, it'd be hilarious if they're like, and that guy was Jason Todd the whole time. And I'm like, bro, what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the only one that's kind of a a stretch would be maybe Dick Grayson, just because I wonder how they would do the flying Graysons in the Batman movie in this kind of like story franchise, you know? I don't know. The other ones have a, I guess, more easy incorporation thing due to the story like even you could do like bad girl like uh you know oracle some you know other characters but dick grayson might be a hard person to fit into the story so i think the setup for dick grayson is hard i think dick grayson is the best choice for robin only because one he is 
the original, mm-hmm. but two, because the idea that they always try to permeate with, with Robin and other media is that the whole point that ba- the whole reason Batman chose him and was going to train him was that he didn't go down the same path he did. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So the idea that the flying Graysons are murdered and Dick Grayson's re- response to that is I'm going to be like, uh, like he, he takes, a, he takes a page out of this movie's Batman oh, yeah. where he's like, I'm going to go around just straight up, just like, destroying people's faces <laughs> yeah and he's like i have to like it's like a dual story where you're like there's a villain but then the secondary story is like i have to stop this kid from hurting himself and others mm. as well as like bring him under my wing to like protect him yeah. right and then there's like a secondary villain of whoever the heck it is but it's like the main story is like i've learned stuff from that time mm. that i don't want him to go through yeah for sure you know for sure like so i think that i think that story point would work really well with him i mean i'm sure you could also like make that argument for any of the robins like oh yeah jason todd also had a really hard time growing up <laughs> and it's like okay yeah sure whatever. yeah i mean but <laughs> i mean who in this city wouldn't have a hard time growing up because there's the city like all kinds of like hard to live and thrive in with all the corruption that's taking place oh, man, they did such a good job with the city we never really did talk about the setting but like the vibe that like you, you talked about it briefly but the vibe that they went for with the city as like man it's perfect it literally feels like an ancient city that has just been built over time yeah like into like this modern metropolis mm, yeah they did such a good job with it you know if anybody wants to talk about who they would like to see as a villain any characters they would want you could fan cast him if you want like yeah everybody wants brian cranston as mr freeze which is dope i love that idea i want a younger i want younger villains but that's fine mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> but whoever you chose like let us know let us know if you want to see a robin mm-hmm. uh, let us know how you thought about what you thought about the joker any you know let us know what your thoughts yeah. about the movie yeah if, just if leave us a review with your thoughts a comment you know we'll read them if they show up and hopefully respond to them if they show up but yeah with that thanks for listening to this episode the intro and outro song of this podcast is vhs dreams by sean ivers link in the description appreciate you listening and until next time we